And the, the problem is that if you don't apply this test, you end up with too many products. And the result of having too many products, more products than you should have, like let's say you should have one product, but instead you've got three or four, it gets very difficult for buyers to understand what you do because they have to do your job. You are listening to This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, a product marketing community that gives back. In this episode, Chris Reed shares some of his thoughts on what is a product. Let's get to it right now. Today, I'd like to talk about products and specifically, what is a product? And the reason this is such an important topic, especially in software and technology, is because the lines that we draw around intellectual property in order to declare something, a product or a feature, these lines are actually completely arbitrary. There is no reality behind any of this. Nothing is real. Products are what we say they are. In the reality is just a bunch of electrical signals floating through some electronics, right? There are binary bits. Um, it's just a primordial soup of intellectual property that gets created. And then someone has to say, this is a product and this is a feature. And so where this gets interesting is that different people may be coming from different places as they make those decisions, as they draw those arbitrary lines. And there are a couple of, you know, a couple of major reasons why people might want to define a product. One would be to organize a team of people whose job it is to build it, which is, of course, fair enough. Um, there's going to be a lot of product owners and product managers and development teams working on putting our intellectual property together. And, you know, if they, if they want to call something a product, then that's perfectly fine. However, there's another different bunch of people who have to go out there and sell this intellectual property and market the intellectual property. And those people are coming from a different place where their goal in producing those lines around intellectual property, it's not organization, it's communication fundamentally. And ultimately, it's sales. So it's communication and monetization. That's where they're coming from. And the tricky piece in all this is that they may end up with really different answers. And the key thing, the important thing, if you're in marketing, is to make sure that the decisions about what is a product that are made in the product or engineering team stay in the product and engineering team. And you're able to look at this with a fresh pair of eyes and a market perspective when it comes to actually materializing products that customers see can buy and become aware of in that way. So let's give an example of just how arbitrary this is. If you look at the Tesla Model 3, it's a car. I think that last time I checked, Tesla positions the Model 3 as the world's first mass market electric vehicle. Fine, it's, it's a car, but it's full of software. I mean, everything to do with Tesla is full of software. And the cars are running a lot of software. All cars are running a lot of software, but I think that Tesla cars are probably running a lot more software than most. So there's going to be a lot of people working on this. If you look at it from an organizational point of view in software development, there'll be a lot of teams, there'll be product owners, there'll be product managers. All of that is fine. When you look at what they actually materialize as a customer-facing product in the Model 3, well, one thing is the car, right? And they don't talk about that as software because it's not only software but it's one thing is the car but but another very visible and very clearly articulated product that comes out which is entirely software or you could argue largely software um, is autopilot so when you're configuring a tesla model 3 the big option that you have when you buy it apart from how fast you want it to go 
which is also software controlled, I think, partially. The big option, though, the big visible option that's in your face is autopilot. Do you want it or do you not want it? It costs $8,000. So that's a, that's a great example of taking some intellectual property, drawing some lines around it and saying, hey, this is a product. We're going to communicate about it. We're going to tell customers about it. We're going to tell the world about it. And we're going to charge for it. We're going to charge $8,000 for it. But that decision was actually completely arbitrary, if you think about it. There's nothing real there. It's just software. That same software, I believe, is running all the time anyway in a, in a Tesla because it's the same software that's used for security, which isn't switched off if you don't buy autopilot. So there's, there's nothing real to it. It's just these are the decisions that Tesla decided to make, which were best for them and best for their customers. And they sound like a very sensible set of decisions because it's a very clear result. Everybody understands it. Everybody gets it. And from a product marketing point of view, that's the goal. The goal is communi communication. Everyone knows what autopilot is and monetization. It costs $8,000. So that's just an example of how arbitrary things, things, things are here. Now, where things go wrong, the risk in all of this happens when you have an engineering team working on some great intellectual property that they've organized for their own perfectly good reasons. They've organized this um, such that they call it a product. And then they throw that product over the fence to marketing and say, hey, marketing, I've got a new product for you. Go and market it. And I guess in this world, there are two kinds of product marketing departments. Uh, there's the product marketing department that says, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Can I have some more? And they go and market that product. And as a result, every time someone in engineering throws over some intellectual property, it becomes another additional product. And there are product marketing departments that don't do that. And so the, uh, um, the point of this um, little talk is to encourage product marketing teams to not be the first team. Don't be the people who just accept intellectual property that someone alleges is a product. Instead, run a couple of very simple tests so that you can determine for yourself, is this a product or is it a feature? And the test is really simple. If the product in inverted commas, that is being handed to you is for the same buyer and is in the same category of software or technology, it's not a new product. It's a better product. It's an enhancement. It's new features. So let's give an example. If you have a business that sells CRM to medium-sized hospitals and you have a CRM product for medium-sized hospitals, your development team goes away and works for six months or more produces some fantastic new technology that those customers are going to love. You're going to keep selling that stuff to medium-sized hospitals, and it's still fundamentally CRM stuff, then that is not a new product. That is a better product. And it's great that it's a better product. You mustn't allow anyone in engineering to get confused that by not communicating it as a new product, you're somehow downplaying it. That's not the case. You have a better product. You have a more competitive product. You're going to win more deals. Your customers are going to be delighted. It's fantastic, but it's better. It's a better product. It's not a new product. So that's the key test. And the problem is that if you don't apply this test, you end up with too many products. And the result of having too many products, more products than you should have, like let's say you should have one product, but instead you've got three or four, it gets very difficult for buyers to understand what you do because they have to do your job. Your job is to communicate to them what you do. But instead, let's say, you know, bad, bad example, there are five products where there should be one because there's a single buyer and all of this stuff is in a single category. But your website says, I've got five products. What the buyer then has to do is to take the time to go through your website, look at all these five products and think, what does this really mean? What does all of this, all of this stuff really add up to? Ah, I get it. 
they have a CRM system for medium-sized hospitals. That's great. But look, there's no reason why they should have to do that work, right? So let me, let me, let me give a couple of examples that, that, I've, that I've come across myself. And the reason I'm talking about this is because it happens a lot. You wouldn't think it would happen a lot, but it really happens a lot. And, and it's, not, it's not because people are you know, stupid or, or doing a terrible job. It just happens a lot because people don't always feel in product marketing that they are empowered to have that conversation to have that conversation where they say, actually, it's a better product, it's not a new product. And let me give you, give you one example right now, which is, so I remember having a, having a fun conversation with someone who was running product marketing for a company. We were looking at, at some of the competitors and, and he said, oh, did, did you see this competitor's website? And I said, oh yeah, yeah, I did. It was, you know, it's a great website, isn't it? It's very clean. It's really easy, really, really easy to understand what those people do, don't you think? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really easy to understand what they do, but Crispin, you know, that's, it's so easy for them because they've got three products and we've got 15. So of course it's harder to understand what we do. And I said to him, yeah, but, but, but you run product marketing here. And I mean, don't you do the same thing they do? And he said, yeah, yeah, we do the same thing, but we've got 15 products. I said, yeah, but, but you run product marketing. How could you let this happen? And of course, you know, he's actually, he's actually very, very good at his job, self-taught, didn't realize that, that inherent in his role in product marketing really is the authority to be able to have that conversation. It's like, wait, thanks, but this isn't a product. It's a feature. Okay. So in conclusion, as a product marketer, you have a job to do. And your job is to communicate what you do as clearly as you possibly can, because your job is to make sales easier. Now, if instead of having the simplest possible product line that enables you to successfully communicate and monetize what you do you have a more complicated product line you have product proliferation then you're making sales harder you're making it harder to discover what you do harder to understand what you do harder to buy your products you are delegating your job as a product marketer to your customer and you shouldn't do that you should really do your job so remember a product is an arbitrary line drawn around intellectual property for the purposes of monetization partly but mostly communication. Thank you for tuning in to This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, a product marketing community that gives back. Check out our website, productmarketinghive.com, to join our community, meet fellow product marketers, and access free resources, including training, playbooks, templates, and events. If you enjoyed our podcast, Please subscribe and give a 5-star rating on the platform of your choice. See you next time.